don't teach that the Bible says that we can live a life above sin. The Bible says that we're a liar if we say that we have no sin. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. Thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. We are local. We're in the Wyoming Valley in the Wilkes-Barre area, and we are looking to start small groups. We want to talk about spiritual things. We want to look at the Bible together. What does the Bible say? And we're trying to be disciples ourselves, and we want to disciple other people to follow Jesus just the same. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us for video content, for teaching and preaching that'll be posted there. You can find us on YouTube. Also, be sure to subscribe and turn on the bell so you can be notified of any new videos that we post. And please also look for God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you would like to have a Bible study, you want to pray with somebody, you want to talk to someone, please contact us at God's Resistance. Uh, that's gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. We're starting now a, a look into first john the book of first john and as we start here i just want to say that context is key it's king it's so important if we don't have context we're going to make a mess of the bible we can make the bible say just about anything if we don't have the proper context so to help us understand this book because it's been greatly misunderstood we have to know about this group called the gnostics And without the understanding of the Gnostics, we would make shipwreck of the truths that are inside of the book of 1 John. We would make uh, shipwreck of even our own faith and our own walk with God. So it's imperative that we understand this about the Gnostics. Now, the Gnostics were a group of people that said that they had some special knowledge. Uh, One of the things that they believed was that material is inherently bad, and the higher you go toward the spiritual realm, the more holy and good you are, but the lower you go towards material, the more evil things are. And that could just be inanimate objects. What happened and what was the result of this teaching is that Jesus, we know, was holy and without sin, but they, because of their teaching, would say Jesus didn't have a material body. So there were two camps that came out of Gnosticism. One of them said, you basically sin and thought, word, and deed every day of your life. Well, actually, they both said this. But the way that they um, it, this worked out in practical life was that they either one camp gave themselves wholly up to sin. They had this special knowledge or gnosis, and they said, you know, we have the special knowledge, so we're saved. And really, what can we do? Because we're in a material body and it's evil. So we'll just give ourselves up to the lusts of our flesh and we'll just sin away because we got our ticket punched. The other group said, well, if we're going to sin and thought, word, and deed every day of our life and this body is evil or sinful, then they went towards asceticism, which basically was that they punished their body because our body is inherently evil. 
and they wouldn't eat pleasurable foods. They pretty much wouldn't enjoy anything that's pleasurable because they thought that it was evil. So those are the two separate camps in a nutshell of this Gnostic group. Now, so many people under, uh, have misunderstandings about this book of 1 John and specifically the verses that are in this first chapter. And the misunderstandings basically come out this way. They are taught that it is an excuse to sin inside of this first chapter of 1 John and that we can never really truly be freed from sin. But I want to bring to you what the meaning of this book actually is. It's a warning first. And but also it is that you may know that you may be assured of your salvation. The knowledge of whether or not you are truly saved is the aim of this book because of the false teachings that were entering into that early church. So let's start with this thought and this idea that Jesus is a man and not a phantom, because that's what the Gnostics taught. The material body is evil, so he did not come in a material body. And whatever anybody saw of Jesus, it was like a phantom, like a hologram. So Jesus, we're told in these first three verses, was actually a man in human flesh, and he wasn't a phantom. Let's look at the first verse. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. A few things for us to acknowledge here. He starts off in this verse by saying, Jesus who is from the beginning. And this was proving that Christ is God. He is deity. Christ, the one that walked on this earth in human flesh, is God. And then he says, we, the apostles, we have heard him, we've seen him, and we have touched him. So he wasn't a phantom. He had a literal physical body, and he called him the word of life, which also gives this idea that Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the sustainer. And Jesus is the exclusive truth. He is the word of life. This is, you can see now, understanding about this Gnosticism, why John is telling us these things. Let's move on to the second verse. He says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. So he said the life was manifested. Jesus' life on earth, it wasn't hidden. Jesus was human, and he was in flesh and blood. There was no special knowledge. There was no phantom. There was no hiding. He was manifested to all so that all could see, all could touch, all could feel, and handle of the word of life. And he says they, the apostles, they bore witness of this truth of Jesus Christ. He's not just one person, or it wasn't one person that bore witness, but it was many people that bore witness. There were the throngs of people that saw Jesus walking on this earth. He preached to throngs of people. He healed many people. He touched many people, and many people touched him. Also, the disciples, they had a more intimate knowledge in bearing witness of who Jesus was, the Son of God. Now, one thing is we see that Jesus stayed with Peter at Peter's house in Capernaum. He often went back to Capernaum, and he stayed overnight in Peter's house. We're told also that what they were bearing witness of was the eternal life, that they saw eternal life inside of Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. They personally experienced this God-man, the eternal life that was in Jesus Christ. The third verse, just the, the first half of it, we read, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. So unlike the Gnostics, which made up this whole framework of crazy teaching, 
John is telling the believers in those days, look, we've seen him, we've heard him, and what we've seen and heard, that's what we're telling you. So it's simply just an eyewitness account that they're passing along. They're passing along to the Christians in those days and to us the things that they have both seen and heard. So Jesus was a man. He wasn't a phantom. Then we move on to this thought, fellowship with the truth and fellowship with the truthful people. So in 1 John, in the third verse, the second half of it, we read this, that ye also may have fellowship with us. So we've seen Jesus, we've heard him, and we're declaring unto you the things that we've seen and heard for this purpose, that you, believer, that you, hearer, may have fellowship with us, with the apostles. And truly, our fellowship, the apostles' fellowship, is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So the the apostles wanted to personally share what they had experienced themselves. So they wanted other people, and the believers specifically whom he was talking to at this time, he wanted those believers to have fellowship. He didn't want them to be pushed out of the church of God. He didn't want them to be out there by themselves somewhere. He wanted them to have fellowship with true believers and not be deceived by these Gnostics. He wanted them to have fellowship with true believers. He wanted them to have fellowship with God, the Father of all. And he wanted them to have fellowship with the risen Son of God, Jesus Christ. The apostles, they had a different approach here uh, than the Gnostics, or they were just different in general. They were the opposite of this special knowledge club. They were saying, Jesus walked on this earth. People saw him. People heard him. People touched him. And that's what we're telling you. Not this special framework that these heretics, these Gnostics, these false teachers came in and tried to tell the church. The truth, essentially what John is telling them, is for all who will. No codes, no special codes to know the truth, no deciphering, no crazy mystical understandings, but the literal truth that Jesus himself walked on this earth and he had specific teachings and he himself was the sacrifice for all of humanity's sins. This is what we're telling you, believers. That's what John is saying. And that is for us today as well. The fourth verse, he said, and these things, here's the motive, these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. These Gnostics were coming into the church and they were trying to build a following. They wanted special clout you know, a personal clout. John's telling them, listen, that's not why we're telling you this. We're not looking for special clout. He's saying, we are telling you these things for this reason. He said before fellowship, but also that you may enjoy the same salvation, the same deliverance, and the same fellowship with the almighty God that we, the believers, have ourselves. He was handing people fully over into the hands of God that they might have fullness of joy like they had experienced, unlike the Gnostics, because the Gnostics, they were glorying in themselves. They had the special knowledge that if you weren't part of their special club, you couldn't have the special knowledge. You couldn't have this salvation they were talking about. But if you wanted to enter into their special club and you want to just be one of us, then maybe, just maybe, we will impart to you our special knowledge, and then you can be part of the special club. John was talking to simple people in those times, 
He was talking to Greeks. He was talking to Jews and he was giving them the word of life. And God doesn't complicate the word of life so that it effectively is barring people out. The only complications that we would have is that we hear God's claim for our lives and we don't want to obey it. And so we therefore reject it. But John wanted to make the truth so plain and clear to people so that they could have fullness of joy and not be with these Gnostics that were lording it over those under them and and just puffing themselves up with pride. So here we find why John is writing this. We see his motives. He declares it very plainly what his motives are, and he wants people to be saved. He wants them to enjoy the same fellowship that he himself enjoyed through the salvation of Christ. And he's imparting that to his believers and to his hearers. And you know what, believer, it's no different today. We need to know what this Bible says if we want true fellowship with the living Christ. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Moving on in this study and this look at John, uh, the first epistle of John in this first chapter, he then moves on to talk about the essence of truth, which he uses this imagery, darkness versus light. So here's the essence of truth, darkness versus light. And the truth is objective. And it's not what you hear so many people say now, well, that's your truth, but that's not my truth. That statement in and of itself already breaks down because truth is exclusive. Truth is absolute. There's only one truth. And so for anyone to say, well, that's your truth and that's not my truth, somebody in there is rejecting truth. And John is portraying to us that objective truth so that we might walk in it. So if you look in the uh, fifth verse, he says, this then is the message which we have heard of him, that is of Christ, and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So let's break this down a little bit. This verse teaches us that this is a divinely revealed and received truth. It was not made up by the imaginations of men. The apostles, however, were conduits of this divine revelation. God gave the divine revelation to men, and he chose to use other men to then bring this revelation to the entire world, and the apostles were conduits of that divine revelation. They were like a pipe that he was pouring the revelation through so that others could then receive and know this truth. And he passed on the truth. They, the apostles, passed on the truth straight from God, and specifically here, John the apostle. He tells us God is light. God is light. So the idea of light brings about some things for us. Light is truth. Light is revelation. Light is holiness. And light is goodness. He said, God is light. So God is truth. God is revelation. God is holiness. God is goodness. But then he brings up another term here, darkness. And darkness darkness would include deception, 
evil and ignorance. And we're told by this verse that there is no darkness in God. So God, in essence, is fully opposed to deception, evil, and ignorance. Wherever God is, there is no deception, there's truth. Wherever God is, there is no evil, there's holiness and goodness. Wherever God is, there's no ignorance but revelation. And so in God, there is no darkness. There's no darkness in God at all. In other words, you and I can fully trust God and the revelation he's given to us through the scriptures. Let's move on to the sixth verse. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, with Christ, and we have fellowship with God, and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So here he he uses the word fellowship. Let's break that down for a minute. This word literally means partnership, intimacy. He said, if we say that we have partnership and intimacy with God, and we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't do the truth. So that helps us. We can't live a wicked life and say that I'm in partnership, an intimate partnership with God, because in God is no darkness. And the Bible says in Amos, can two walk together except they be agreed? And that's a rhetorical question. The answer is no, that can't happen. He said that we walk in darkness if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness. Let's see about what walking in darkness is. Literally, sin. If we walk in sin, then, and we say we have fellowship with God and we walk in sin, we are liars in God's sight, according to the scripture. We are a disobedient people. We do not live the way God says the gospel should make us live. And he's trying to make it so plain to us. He said, we, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we don't do the truth. So we, we don't have that fellowship and intimacy with God. We don't have his salvation and we are not walking obediently to him if we're walking in darkness. Pretty plain. It's pretty frank. It's pretty open to us. And that's how God is. He wants to be plain and frank and open because he wants everyone to be saved. He doesn't want anybody to be per- to perish. So if he doesn't want anyone to perish, why would God tell us all this stuff that's hard to understand? Why would he tell us a bunch of fluff? He may tell us the painful truth. And if we are hungry, even the bitter things will seem sweet to us. Let's move on to the seventh verse. He said, but... So here is something different from the previous verse of saying that I have fellowship with God and yet walking in darkness. He said, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So here's the picture of darkness and ignorance and somebody who's lying to themselves, lying to everybody else and lying to God. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So what is he talking about? He's saying, but, that word but means it's not fatalistic. God didn't choose before that you were just going to be so ignorant and so in darkness that there's no hope for you and you're going to land in hell and live a wicked life. It's not fatalistic. We have a choice. He said, but, you don't have to be like that. You have a personal responsibility. You can make a difference. You can change. You don't have to walk in darkness. That's why that word but is there. But if we walk in the light, walking implies actions. So if I am obedient, if my life is light in truth and goodness and holiness, if I am 
walking in such a way, if my actions portray that, if we walk in the light as God is presently in the light, because that's where he dwells. He dwells in the light that no man can approach unto. He is the never-changing God. He dwells in light right now. If I walk, if I live in such a way that shows that I'm walking in light, goodness, holiness, revelation, and I'm walking in God's own presence, then we have, a, we have present possessions promised to us. One is, we have fellowship one with another. So I have true fellowship with the believers of God. I have true fellowship with those people that have been saved from their sins, that have been delivered from their sins, that have a new and a radical life in them, a life that is completely and utterly different from the life of sin they had lived before, where they now love Jesus and they'll follow the Lamb whithersoever he goes. He said that we have the present possession if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that we have fellowship with other true believers. You can go to a church and you may not have fellowship with certain people. You may not be a part of the special clique, but he's telling us if you walk in the light as Jesus is in the light and you walk as a saved individual, you will have fellowship with other people that also are saved, that also walk in the same light. And not only do we have fellowship with other true believers, but we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. That's a present possession. If I walk in the light as he's in the light right now, I have fellowship with believers and I have fellowship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. And beyond that, he tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. And what it means in the, in the Greek, and I'm no Greek scholar, but I've looked, uh, looked it up in dictionaries and certain things to find this. It, the blood and that word cleanses, it means it cleanses and continues to cleanse. And notice it says that it cleanseth us, his blood cleanseth us from all sin if we're walking in the light. It's not some sin, it's all. So that means it cleanses us from the actions or the deeds of sin that we may have done, but it also cleanses us from the nature of sin, that part down and deep that's off and that's not right, that's wrong. He said, if we walk in that light, those are our present possessions, and thank God for it. That is to the hungry soul. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This is the most misunderstood verse. I hear people talk about this so much, and it's just, if you look at the context, it just goes against the whole tenor of Scripture to just read it like this and try and apply it the way that most people do. So he's saying, if we say that we have no sin, we're, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Remember, the context is about these Gnostics. And the Gnostics taught that they didn't, uh, they didn't have any sin because they had that special knowledge. Therefore, they didn't have a need of the Savior. The special knowledge saved them. And so he is telling those people in the church, if you say you have no sin that needs to be repented of and you don't have a sin problem, you're deceiving yourself and you're not part of the truth. You're a, you're a liar and you're coming into the church of God and trying to subvert. And this has been used by so many to teach that we cannot live a life without sin in this present evil world. I've heard so many people say, oh, you can't live a, a, a holy life like that. You can't live without sin. See, the Bible says it, but that's not what the Bible says. Verse nine, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he's saying, if we agree with God's verdict, if I confess that I have sins and that I have sin and I admit it, then I have the faithfulness of God to lean on. And the tense here of this 
uh, forgiveness and this cleansing, and that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to, to forgive me and to cleanse me, it's, it, the tense here is not continuous, but it's a, it's a decisive single act. He will forgive me at a time where I know that he's forgiven me. He will cleanse me at a time when I know he's cleansed me. Each one of those things is a separate work. He will cleanse me from, he'll forgive me of all my past sins, and he will cleanse me from unrighteousness. He will cleanse me from guilt. He will cleanse me from moral wrongness. He'll cleanse me from the fountain of why I have done wrong things. Then we move on to the 10th verse. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. We make God a liar, and his word is not in us. So the Gnostics have this claim of innocency. Not only do they not have sin now, but they claim that they had never sinned. They had no past sins. And he says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and God's word isn't in us. He's trying to make a distinction in the mind of the Christians whom he's writing to. If you have these people amongst you that say these things, they are not of the truth and you need to separate yourselves from them if you want to walk in the truth. You cannot believe and live the way these people are talking about. So then he says, we make him a liar. Who's this we? It's whoever claims that they have not sinned, that they are making God a liar. You say, how can you make God a liar? He teaches, God teaches that we can be freed from sin here in this life and that we have a need to be forgiven and freed. That's what God teaches. That's the whole tenor of scripture. That's the whole tenor of the gospel. So he says, whoever claims this is saying that God's a liar because God teaches that we can be freed from all sin. And yet they're saying that you can't. And he, he says, whoever claims this, um, his word is, whoever claims this, his word is, is his truth. It's his Christ. And it's not dwelling in us. Whoever claims that we can't, that we haven't sinned, then God's word, God's Christ, they're not dwelling in us. We're not a part of the truth. And we need to know and understand that in these days of deception. So here we've looked through this, and maybe to you, this this looks a little different than what you have heard. But this is the truth of God declared to those who have ears to hear. So through this, we learned that we can be holy and we can be without sin in this life. That is the heart of God. The heart of God is to free us from all sin, not to get our ticket punched and then to live a wicked life after this, but to transform us and make us new people. That is the heart of God and that is the power of the gospel. You may say, you went through all this and talking about Gnosticism and all, but why, why do we need to know that now? Because Gnosticism is not dead. And I say this, and I say it carefully, those that ascribe to what would be known as a Calvinistic doctrine, they teach these similar things, that you cannot be freed from sin, that you are always going to be sinning in thought, word, and deed every day of your life. And that is just a dreg of the old Gnostic heresy and disease that has plagued the church for centuries, uh, in the first century starting, but all the way up until the present day. I do want to say that I don't believe that everybody that believes that Calvinistic doctrine and that teaches it is necessarily an evil and a wicked person. All I'm saying is that that Gnostic teaching 
is still alive and well today. And we need to look at the context of the scripture that we understand what the scripture is teaching and not be led away in some error that then will do damage to our souls and may bar other people out from obtaining the salvation of God. That is God's heart to free us from all sin. That is the power of the gospel to free us from all sin. Humanity is not a bar to holiness. And there's no such thing as a sinning religion. And next time we will see more about that, that this is, there's no such thing as a sinning religion. Please tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. If you'd like a copy of this broadcast, please look for God's Resistance on your favorite podcasting platform. Look for us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us for teaching, preaching, and video content. You can find us on YouTube as well. Be sure to subscribe and turn on the bell to be notified of any new videos. If you need someone to talk to, you want to pray with somebody, then please email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com, or you can give us a call at 570-362-7782, and you will likely get me if you call that phone number. I want to talk with you. I want to help you walk with God. I want to help you have victory over sin. Join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.